0: This episode is brought to you by Time Out, a gourmet food shop located in Docky Village. Our podcasting team has been kept entirely satiated and satisfied by the decadent meals delivered to Biddy's Cottage by the wonderful staff at Time Out. Us girls highly recommend the aubergine parmigiano and Biddy herself is very partial to the stem ginger cake. Be sure to pay Time Out a visit in Docky Village to try their delicious and unique recipes.
1: I'm lifting the latch and letting you in. Every morning I do the same thing. I go to the half door, I open it and look out at the sea. And some mornings it's really windy and I have to battle against the door. And some mornings it's really sunny. It all depends. You don't know me and I don't know you yet, but I can feel you around me. My name is Biddy, Biddy McLaughlin. I'm 58 years old, five foot three, slim enough, not bad looking, blonde and absolutely obsessed with life, heritage, Irish culture, food. I have a delicious secret. I am a complete Epicurean, obsessed with old Irish recipes. I also am a painter and I'm now a journalist. After many years, I've returned. All my life, I've been interested in one thing and one thing only, stories. I'm looking around the cottage now. This is where I've lived for the last 26 years. Everyone knows it as Biddy's Cottage, a happy place where the artist lives, where stories happen. But inside, behind the half door, I have my thoughts. I find myself wondering about life. Most days are actually all right. In fact, they're super. But every so often, I am triggered, triggered by shadow. And my shadow is my sister, Shawnee. Shawnee was a chef, five years younger than me, and she was murdered 15 years ago. Obviously, nothing has ever been the same since. Right now, I'm gonna lead you through the cottage. The floor, restored by my dad, is yellow pine and is from a Donegal dance floor. There is a long wooden table to the right, whitewashed lime walls and an open loft above me, and a beautiful, pretty yellow dresser, which I love, full of brown and blue delf, willow patron, and the odd bit of Irish spongeware, which I collect. Spongeware is the old fashioned pottery stamped with a potato or stenciled it, very rare and hard to get, and very beautiful in its simplicity. Right in front of me, as I look through the door, there's a folk art painting, a snowy wedding scene with a red fox loitering into the background. Dalky is full of fox, and people always ask me, what's the significance of the red fox? Many know now that the fox is very important to me, the fox is the interloper. It loiters. It observes. A bit like myself sometimes. That may be too much of a plaudit. The fox is mysterious and sacred. And when you catch its eyes, and you have to return its gaze. That second that it looks at you, you're hypnotized, mesmerized, calm, stalled. Suddenly, it disappears over a wall, over a hedge. We cannot follow its journey. We cannot follow our own. I have been painting these little paintings with their funny little people in iron jumpers since I was a child. Being the eldest of eight, it was really hard to get a bit of peace. So I used to climb up the ladder of a combine harvester in North County Dublin and lower myself into the grain compartment Perched inside, I felt safe, at peace. With my pen and pencil, I could peer out through the little window behind the driver's seat and look out at the world. Solitude suited me, still does. To my left you will see a roaring turf fire, which I love. And every day too, I light it as hundreds have before me. Sometimes I throw a bit of sugar on it, to keep it bright, fiery. It doesn't last long. An old-fashioned trick. After I light the fire, I put the kettle on, toast a bit of bread with melted butter, scoff that, and return to the half-door. And almost immediately, I can taste the salt on my lips and my hair sometimes gets mangled, mangled just with the sea air. And when it's wet, it webs across my face like a spider's web. People think I have such a lovely life. Oh my God, that house is amazing. Your paintings are lovely. You are living such an existence. It's just spectacularly beautiful and so, so simple. And it is all those things, that's for sure. And most of the time, I'm pretty contented. Despite all the tragedy, I am pretty contented. I paint, I cook, I bake, I tell stories. I do all those things. I keep busy. I keep really busy. I keep distracted. Every morning, I swim in the harbour with my friend Katrina. Every morning, armed with towels, flasks and Ikea hooks for hanging our clothes on the granite walls of Collymore, we go for a swim and the crack is just 90. It's amazing, calming, funny. We talk to everybody, we get giddy from laughing. After that, the endorphins keep me going for at least eight hours, magic. Back home, I do a bit of baking, love the old cooking. But today is one of those days, the trigger days. And what I'm looking at now, no one else would know the significance of it, just me. Objects have their own secrets. I'm looking at a madeleine cake tray. It's made of metal and it's rusting. Who gave it to me? Shawnee. It was the last thing she ever gave me. On a windswept night, she stuck her head over the cottage door and said, "Biddy girl, you were looking for it. You have been driving me nuts. I'm after finding six different sizes of Madeleine trays. She'd bought in a shop long now gone called Kitchen Compliments off Grafton Street. Well, I was thrilled to say the least. In she whooshed, blew in the door with him, generous as always. Her blonde hair set up in a chignon, always tied up at the back. She was thinner than me, more elegant, more finely featured, always laughing, perfect white teeth. Memories always flood back with the lucidity of revelations. This was my French classical cook, my buddy, my sister. I see her only as a cook. Food was always her obsession and remains mine. I see her in an apron, white calico starched. I see her, remember her in her Spanish kitchen. Underneath her apron, she wears a snow white blouse collar turned up at the nape her head is bent down rolling pastry and her blonde hair neatly tucked as if stitched to a seam i see her tiny frame and a tiny bow tied around a tiny waist and now in the middle of all this i see something else it's a whistle a churrel i'm sure i'm not pronouncing it right but it's a whistle. Maybe those who have been to Spain or Mallorca in tourist shops have seen these plaster looking, lime covered, almost kind of tacky looking souvenirs of figures with a whistle at the end with streaks and stripes of green and red on them. Well, this was a Turell, S-I-U-R-E-L-L. Look them up. These actually figures are far from touristy. They go back to Arabic times, thousands of years. The Mayorkins believed when you whistled, you stopped the wind. And this one here is great because in the cottage, I sometimes whistle and the wind seems in my mind at least to calm, to soothe, to go away. Why am I looking at this whistle? because a story always brings back such a powerful, powerful memory. It was a normal day. I was working with Siobhan in the hotel. No one could pronounce her Irish name Siobhan. They called her Signor Shawnee Signora, Signora Shawnee. She loved the hotel that she had started and opened. She employed all Yorkine staff as well as spanish she always believed in the power of the locals i was sitting in the back having a nice cup of coffee and she said biddy come on come on come on i've got to see the mayor he's invited us to lunch i said what mayor the mayor of soyer which is the name of the town i said who is he you love him he was a friend of miro the artist He wrote a book about him. I said, oh, Johnny, I'm wrecked today. Come on, come on, it'll be a bit of crack, come on. I'm after buying a beautiful map from a cartographer in Palma. Look at it. She unearthed this massive, massive parcel covered in bubble rack. And when she opened it, it was a massive old map going back to 1640 of his land in Sawyer. He's gonna love it. He's obsessed with history. We drove in the hot heat in our little car through orange groves, narrow, dusty streets, up, up into the mountains, the and Mountains, where all the wind goes and blows. Fast, fast, fast. She was in top form. Now, biddy girl, just one thing I have to tell you. I told Don Pedro, I told him you're an art critic, because you love art, and he collects art. I said, ah, Jesus, Shawnee, don't tell him. Please don't tell me you told him I'm an art critic. You know all about art. You can tell him about it when you meet him. We got to the gates, huge gates of an enormous house. The electric ping opened the gates. In we went. All Pedro, Don Pedro's family, his handsome sons, made a beeline for Shawnee. I was left with the mayor. God, God help him, the ugliest creature that was ever engineered by God himself. He was about five foot four, squat, an old wet lip that you could hang a pot off and two coffee bean eyes staring out at me. He was misery personified, long lank gray hair and a cigar clamped to his lip like a staple. Hola, hola. Siobhan came over. This is my sister, Hermana, Hermana. Don Pedro, Hermana, my sister. My sister, Biddy. Biddy? I said, Don Pedro, it's a pleasure. Don Pedro, adored Shawnee. I could see it at once. Signora Siobhan, Signora Shani. Come, come, come with me. She said, One momento, un momento, Pedro. I go with your sons. I go with your sons. Biddy, Biddy, she knows about art. Biddy, tell him about all the art. I sigh. I know he just hates me straight off. We walk up this long, elongated, sandy, dusty avenue. I can't believe what I see. On either side of me are these massive modern sculptures. Some marble, some wood some steel and he is all excited uh you know this one you know garcia pacocha i say sorry uh no you know sierra mandrigos comento i said i'm really sorry no he looks and goes whoa i don't understand he said you know this massive marble piece but six foot high with an eagle and two bodies coming out of it. Pretty horrific. You must know, you must know. I said, I'm really sorry. I really know really about Irish art and English art, but the Europeans, the Europeans. I said, Pedro, Don Pedro. I said, Pedro, I am so sorry. Finally, just as we were nearing the house, I recognized a Henry Moore sculpture, so simple. And curv- curvaceous and beautiful. I under my breath I went, um, Henry Moore. At last, at last, fatal, fatal. At last, finally, finally, you recognize an artist. I said yes, and actually I said, I see another one that I think may be Barbara Hepworth. Ah, <sighs> oh, Laura, 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 Laura. Right go to dinner he marched ahead of me Siobhan was chatting non-stop laughing her head off there were 20 of the family members on a simple wooden table in a courtyard Signora Pedro was to the top of the table and all the fine-looking sons and three daughters not so good-looking gathered around two squat Mallorquin cooks stood by an open oven like a pizza oven that was set into the wall of an enormous house I looked I could smell the most delicious delicious smell I couldn't put my my nose on it I said what is it it's some kind of game of some sort or something all I could think about as always was the food Shawnee was there sit beside me sit beside me there was a lot of noise beautiful smell in the air that lovely mallorquine orange blossom, smell of jasmine was powerful, and there was great life around me. Everyone was bustling forth and back, passing over the cava, passing down wine, their very famous Mallorquin wine. They had the best seller. They were wealthy. They were powerful. Don Pedro owned every newspaper in Mallorca, and he'd written a book about Miro in Mallorca, his friend. Jesus, I wished he had spoken English more so that I could get the story of that Miro, one of my heroes. But no, he sat across from myself and Siobhan, six people on either side of him, four on either side up in front of him, and he chomped those lips on a bone. I don't know what the bone was, but he chomped away, saliva running down the front of his shirt. Shivan. Suddenly, he was able to pronounce her name in Irish. I said, Jesus, he really is into you. I was kicking her on the table. She was red with laughter, trying not to burst, burst laughing. Siobhan, Signor Siobhan, I know how to say your name. Fabuloso, fabuloso. Now let's drink. Right through the dinner, he kept saying to me, I don't know what you are in art, but you know nothing about art. Siobhan, the tears were rolling down her eyes. I said, I agree, actually. I agree with you. She knew two sculptors. Two out of 55. Two. Barbara Hepworth. Everyone knows her. Siobhan said, oh, no, she knows a lot. She knows a lot, Don Pedro. She knows a lot. Siobhan says, excuse me, I want to present you something before the dinner began. A servant came along with her parcel. She had already planned it and she opened up the bubble wrap and he helped her and he sighed. He chuckled, he chirpled with delight. Oh, fantastico, fantastico. You, Siobhan, are fantastico. The wife was getting jealous at the end. I could see it. She was boiling, boiling. Could I blame her? Siobhan was sitting there, beautiful black dress on, simple diamonds. Beautiful hands, beautiful face, and most of all, the crack, the smile, that smile. She had him absolutely hypnotized. Oh, Siobhan, I want to help you with your hotel. I want to help you. Siobhan said, nobody's Biddy's helping me. She, she is helping you. He looked at me as if he just, I was ruining his day just by being there. The dinner was astounding. The bulky Mallorcan ladies came forward with two iron trays with massive, massive, huge, gigantic roasted peaches, drizzled in honey and fresh salted rosemary. And then the piece the resistance, roasted partridges. That was it, nothing else. Fine wine, partridges and peaches. It was the best meal I have ever tasted in my entire life. After dessert, a simple, simple concoction of a local pastry with cream and sponge, Siobhan said, I hope we will have more times to visit and you must come to the hotel. Signora Don Pedro stood up. Don Pedro, hermana, Siobhan hermana, biddy, and he's the present. He said, what, what, what? The present, the present. You must give the gift. He was so annoyed. He just wanted to gaze into Siobhan's eyes. He glared at me, reluctantly left the table and came back with the cerule whistle. It was tobacco stained where you blew into it. And he handed it to me. This is an antique, an antique from Mallorca. It is old, very old. I felt like saying, just like you, but I didn't. I smiled graciously. Thank you, Don Pedro. Thank you. You no speak Mallorquing, I said no. I held I held this bristle in my hand. Clay, not knowing what to do with it. Siobhan was looking at it. The family were looking at it. I was expected to do something. Then Don Pedro, with a gleam in his eye, said... You blow, you blow, you blow it, she said. I looked at the stump at the dark and dirty tobacco and I said, no, I'm not blowing that. It was almost sexual, it was disgusting. Siobhan looked at me, laughing her head off, kicked me on the table, whispered, you must blow, Biddy, you must blow. You have to do it. I blew, short and sweet. You must blow again. No, 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 no. Enough was enough. Grazie. 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 After dinner, they showed us the house. It was stunning, of course. Paintings, sculptures, art. I tried to get Siobhan to translate for Miro. There was no luck on that one. He was disgusted with me. I had ruined the day. We left, Siobhan and I, Laughing and laughing, the tears running down like rivers of joy. That whistle, that whistle with the dirty end, has such a powerful beauty about it now. Objects just fascinate me. So when I'm in the college and I see all the different things around me, everyone is kind of loaded with meaning, um, with resonance. Like if it's, you're in your granny's house and you see a thimble, you don't know the story behind that thimble. She'll tell you, and then suddenly a whole new life emits from that piece of metal. I always just loved the fact that it, you know, we're genetically loaded towards memory when we see something that we're familiar with. Objects have emotions to me, and that whistle story, which I really hope you enjoyed, because I really had such a fun that day, the laughter. I can still laugh thinking of her. Um, but that story with the mayor in Soyer, it's all re- re-emerged just from me looking at the whistle. Now, if you came to the cottage. you just throw the whistle out, probably, if you are clearing out. Because, let's face it, it's not the prettiest thing to have in your house. Who wants a dirty old, skanky whistle looking at you that looks like some tack from Mallorca? No. No. It meant, it was magic to me. It meant so much. And right through this podcast, Little memories come like that. They just happen. So let me go to the half door now. You have enough for one night. And say goodbye. I'll close the door. And see you soon.
0: This episode is brought to you by Time Out, a gourmet food shop located in Docky Village. Our podcasting team has been kept entirely satiated and satisfied by the decadent meals delivered to Biddy's cottage by the wonderful staff at Time Out. Us girls highly recommend the aubergine parmigiano and Biddy herself is very partial to the stem ginger cake. Be sure to pay Time Out a visit in Dawkey Village to try their delicious and unique recipes. This podcast is brought to you by the Behind the Half Door production team. Featuring Ruth Burke, Jacqueline Smith, Jen Currence and Roshie McBride. A special shout out to Saoirse Casey for our podcast theme music. And to our youngest member, biddy son Johnny O'Donnell, our technical advisor. This podcast... Oh, no, sorry, this episode. Sorry. <laughs>
1: One, two,
0: three. This episode... What? Sorry, who was that? Be sure to pay time out of visit in Doughy Village. Be sh- Wait, what? Sorry. Us girls highly recommend the aubergine parmigiano and biddy is very what's the word
1: Passion.
0: sorry <laughs>